0: Episode 11, Family Law Mediation, Law and Practice. The 4 Legal English podcast is now in session. On today's docket, we discuss family law mediation. In many states, mediation is ordered by the court automatically in divorce and child custody cases. The parties will meet with a court-approved mediator to try to resolve some or all of the issues before the court. We'll discuss this process, some of the possible advantages, and the role of the attorney during mediation. Welcome to the For Legal English podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. In this podcast, we discuss different legal topics, such as law in the news, law in practice, legal writing, legal movies, and others. I'm Timothy Barrett, your host. I'm a former practicing attorney from the United States, and now a law professor in Tbilisi, Georgia. If you are looking to improve your legal English, check out our website. 4 is in the number 4, LegalEnglish.com, 4LegalEnglish.com. This is Episode 11 of the 4 Legal English Podcast. On the docket today, we discuss family law mediation. In many states, mediation is ordered by the court automatically in certain cases such as divorce and child custody. The parties will meet with a court-approved mediator to try to resolve all or some of the issues before the court. We'll discuss this process, some of the possible advantages, and the role of the attorney throughout the mediation process. Mediation and arbitration are both alternative dispute resolution systems, or ADR. Alternative being alternative to litigation. Instead of going through normal litigation in court, parties can go through this alternative dispute resolution system, ADR, and come up with a resolution as an alternative from court. And of course, sometimes it's maybe a partial resolution. Maybe the whole case isn't settled. But some aspects of it are. And that makes the the court case, the litigation much easier. Family law mediation is a leading area in mediation. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is that it's often court ordered. So by statute, when certain cases begin, the court will order as a matter of course, that the parties go to mediation. This is usually true for divorce or custody disputes. So a divorce is a case when there are a husband and wife. And are separating, you know, legally separating so that they will be legally single again. A custody dispute is a case where you have a mother and a father and child or children, and the parents are fighting over who gets to keep the kids, in other words. Obviously, these cases are, are very similar, and sometimes it's the same case, right? There's a divorce with kids, or maybe the parents were never married, but there's still a custody dispute. Or it could be that the divorce happened several years ago, but the kids are still under 18. They're still children, and now there's a custody dispute. So you might have a divorce with kids or a divorce without kids. And of course, you can have a custody dispute, and maybe the parents were never married. Or maybe the parents were divorced uh, you know, several years ago. So obviously, there was a custody plan when they divorced, but some time has passed, and now there's a new custody dispute that has to be resolved by the court. So in many states, in these types of cases, at the beginning of the case, the court will order family law mediation. One of the the big exceptions, of course, would be DV cases or domestic violence cases. So if there's a history or an allegation of domestic violence, then normally the court will not order the parties to take part in mediation. You're ordering the two parties to sit down in probably a very small room with the mediator, and maybe there's nobody else in the room. If there's a history of violence by one party towards the other or from both parties, then that's probably not a good thing for the court to order. So a lot of states have these statutes where it's set it up, and there would be an exception in these DV and some other other instances as well. Mediator has to be court approved. When I was a practicing attorney, I did some family law. I actually started the process of becoming a family law mediator. I completed the classroom training, but I didn't have time to complete the field training requirement of being a a mediator or an assistant mediator and doing several hours of mediation. Although, as a a lawyer, I took part in in several hours of of mediation as an advocate for, for one of my clients. And of course, each state will vary a little bit, but usually you don't have to be a lawyer to be a mediator. So, some of the mediators, many of the mediators, are lawyers. But some come from a counseling background, you know, some kind of mental health counselor or someone with that experience in that type of field, or it could be someone else entirely. And of course, each state will handle that a little bit different. Mediation is a little bit different than arbitration. A mediator does not make the decision, the parties need to agree. Usually, in arbitration, the decision is binding the arbitrator or, or the panel of arbitrators will come to a decision and then that decision will be binding on the parties the mediator however won't make a decision they will just talk to the parties try to help the parties identify even for themselves what they want you know what is important to them what are their goals what are you know realistic outcomes things like that and then try to 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 build some common ground where the parties can agree. And if they do agree, then that's a successful mediation. But even if the mediator thinks one party is being unreasonable or unrealistic, then that really is not that important, because if the parties don't agree, the parties don't agree. The mediator's subjective opinion does not count for anything. Usually the mediation itself will take place At the courthouse or in a neutral location, it could be the office of a mediator or even the law office of a lawyer that's representing one of the parties, but usually it's at a neutral location. The meeting will consist of the mediator, the parties, so the husband and wife or the father and mother, and the parties can usually bring their lawyers. So in court, the lawyer acts as an advocate. In mediation, sometimes they can act as an advocate as well, and they can do, do a lot of the speaking. But a lot of times the mediator will encourage them to let the, the party themselves speak. And so sometimes the lawyer acts more as a legal consultant, uh, you know, kind of strategizing with their client rather than just speaking for their client. When I represented clients in, in mediation, I would usually discuss it before the mediation. And usually I would go. Usually they would say, yes, I want you there. And then if my client needed my my help more, then I would act more as an advocate, making sure that, that her or, or sometimes his position was clear to explain what my client wanted, that sort of thing. But other times I might have a, a, maybe a stronger client who is a little bit more confident, and maybe I would just act act somewhat as an advocate, but more as a legal consultant, kind of giving them ideas and saying, yes, that was a good point, or, you know, don't forget this, or make sure you mention that. So it kind of depends on the situation. And sometimes I've had clients that say, "Oh, don't worry, don't go to the mediation. I'll go myself. If we can get X, Y, and Z, then I'll agree to it. Otherwise we won't, or, you know, that sort of thing. But we talk about what might be a realistic outcome. And either they were successful in the mediation or, you know, we would continue with the litigation path. Another factor would be, is the opposing side bringing their lawyer? If we found out that, yes, the other party is going to have their lawyer present, then I would feel better if I was present, too. I wouldn't want to be the lawyer that's not there. Another factor, sometimes one party might be kind of dominant. You know, even if it's not a domestic violence situation, they still might have a very strong personality. They might be pretty dominant or try to take advantage of the other party, especially if the that other party's lawyer wasn't present. So that would be a good reason for, that, for the lawyer to be present at the negotiation, at the mediation. But a negative about bringing your lawyer, of course, is the party would have to pay for it. You know, you're, If my client wants me to attend the mediation, I'm happy to go, but my client at the end of the day is going to have to pay for that. If you are enjoying today's episode, please subscribe, give us five stars, and a review. Go to our website, at 4, as in the number 4, LegalEnglish, no spaces or dashes.com, dot 4LegalEnglish.com You can check out our blog articles and our show notes for this episode, episode 11. And you can see some of our available courses. If you're interested in improving your legal English, then check out Elemental Legal English. This is our completely online course that you can study at your own pace. This is based on a semester's course of legal English. It's a great way to improve your legal English skills. At the mediation, the mediator will try to get the parties to agree on some or all of the issues that that have to be decided. The mediator at the end will type up whatever agreement they have made. The parties will sign it and then submit that to the court. Often it's called a Memorandum of Understanding, an MOU, but some jurisdictions might use a different title. But it's basically kind of like a, a contract that the parties sign. And normally, if they negotiate something, even if it's a partial resolution, the judge doesn't want to talk about that again. You know, If it's already been decided, the parties agree to it, they signed it, the judge does not want to relitigate that issue. The judge is going to say, nope, that's what the Memorandum of Understanding says, and that's what I'm going to order. It's been my experience that a lot of times these mediations are worthwhile, even if it's just a partial agreement. For instance, that maybe the parties agree on the visitation or the custody schedule. When, do, when does the child or the children spend time with the father or the mother? You know, How is that split? Who has to drop off or pick up? Who has those responsibilities? What happens if there's a holiday in the middle of the week or it's a three-day weekend, things like that? Because a lot of times that might take a long time to kind of negotiate and discuss, well, gee, every third weekend I have this obligation. Oh, yeah, she has to do this on that weekend. And a lot of times the judges don't want to sit and kind of deal through those issues. So it might be much easier to do with a mediator. They're willing to listen to all those things and even propose solutions. And a good uh, visitation schedule or custody schedule would also include what to do when there's some kind of anomaly. When there's something that changes, you know, how will the parties agree to those those changes? If the parties can take their time and, and form a good uh, visitation or custody schedule, then that can definitely be worth the time of the mediation just by itself. At the end of the mediation, if they were just able to make a partial agreement, that still means that there's less that the judge will have to decide later. So even if there's just a few things that were agreed upon, Well, those are a few things less that we're going to have to litigate in court later on. So it's still usually a benefit. Some other benefits of mediation. Sometimes the agreements that are made can last longer than if the court ordered it. Since the parties were involved in forming those agreements, like we said, they're the ones that signed their name on it. It's like they have a stake in those agreements they may be less likely to violate them or want to change them quite as quick as if the judge just ordered it. Whereas as soon as the judge orders it, it could be that both parties don't like that order. They don't like that visitation schedule. They don't like the, the property distribution or whatever it is that they're arguing about. It could be both sides dislike it. And so it's just kind of setting up for disagreements later on. Whereas in mediation, if the parties agreed to it, then you know, each of them might say, well, gee, I, I don't love it. Why did I agree to that? But I agreed to it. Okay, you know, I'm just going to live with it as best I can. So a lot of times the agreements might last longer. Another benefit, by successfully negotiating some kind of mediation agreement, it can set the scene for their future relationship. If there's a divorce and there's no kids, it could be that they you know, they get through the divorce process, the legal process, and then they never see each other again. Maybe one of them is moving out of the town or out of the state. They're never going to run across each other's paths again. But if there are kids involved, then it's going to be a quite different future. They're always going to be running into each other. Until the children are 18, they're going to have some kind of shared custody and shared responsibilities. But even after the kids are over 18, they're still going to be in each other's lives, whether they want to or not. Their marriage may be over, but they still have a relationship. So, If in the mediation process they can kind of learn how to negotiate with their ex, then that can also be a benefit. And, of course, part of the the role of a good mediator is to try to facilitate that, get them to kind of think logically, maybe less emotionally, and, you know, fairly with each other. Another benefit is lower costs. Usually the cost of a mediator is much less than the cost of a judge and even if a lawyer is present at the mediation it's still going to be a lower cost than if it was handled through litigation for example generally speaking a lawyer has to prepare much more for an hour of court than they do for an hour of mediation so there's a much less much less prep time involved for mediation in mediation you can probably resolve many more issues in that hour or that afternoon than you could in you know an hour of court time that you could get if the mediation is not successful, if you're not able to negotiate anything and agree on anything, then you're still moving forward in court. So at least in this the family law court-ordered mediation, the family law case is still there. You know, You have a court hearing, you're ordered to mediation, but you still have another court hearing coming up. So you're not losing time in the litigation aspect of it. Let's review some of the terms that we discussed today. Mediation, mediate, mediator, DV or domestic violence, custody, custody dispute, custody schedule or visitation schedule, binding or non binding, arbitration, alternative dispute resolution, memorandum of understanding, litigation. So, what questions do you have about mediation or family law mediation? Please comment on our show notes, and I can try to answer your comments there. Go to the website, 4 is in the number 4, legalenglish.com, 4legalenglish.com. You can see our show notes, as well as check out our blog articles and available courses. Please comment on the show notes. It's a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. Next time on the docket, we'll discuss another legal movie, 12 Angry Men. Before Legal English podcast is adjourned, don't miss the next Docket call.